When I was in the seminary, I took a class on what are called the synoptic gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But I never took a class on the gospel of John. And it's been a real joy these past few months to really explore the gospel of John with you, which you remember it is my favorite gospel. And it's wonderful to share it with you and to sit with the graduate students and young professionals each week, and especially with the neophytes, those who came into the church last year. This year, in our sequence, we uh, heard from chapters 4, 9, and 11, those last three weeks of Lent, which are such wonderful things. And so I've been really seeing a lot of echoes in how those pieces connect. And today and next week, we hear from John's Last Supper discourse. Now, if you start to read that, that's chapters 14, 15, and 16 of the Gospel of John, it might seem a little daunting. It's repetitive. The logical flow is kind of confusing. The verb tenses don't match. But that's a mistake to say, well, that's not right. That is to view a first century Middle Eastern poetic passage with a 21st century Western scientific lens. The Last Supper is the high point in the Gospel of John. It is five chapters of a 21-chapter Gospel. There's only two chapters on Good Friday and two on the Resurrection. This discourse is both Jesus' last will and testament and his instructions to his disciples for the future. And verses 6 and 7 that we hear tonight most scholars would say, is the apex of Johannine theology. So pay attention. Jesus Christ was both truly human and truly God. And when we try to wrap our heads around that concept, we can't help but speculate. What did Jesus know about his father's plans for him, and when did he know it? I imagine that Jesus knew that the Father wanted him to be obedient to death. And he realized that it would be a painful, lonely, and gruesome journey. And that he understood that somehow this would bring salvation to the world. But I wonder, did he know what would happen to his human body after he died? Jesus Christ predicted that the Son of Man would rise again on the third day. But did he understand in totality what that meant for him and the relationships he had with those he loved? In John's account of the Last Supper, it is clear that Jesus knows that he has come to what is called his hour. He knows that the forces of evil are gathering and that he will soon glorify the Father. In chapters 14, 15, and 16, he sums up all that he has taught for the past three years. All that will happen to him and through him in the next three days. And he gives instructions to his disciples about what they are to do until the end of a messianic age. That's a lot to cram into one dinner speech. I am going to be having a pretty tough conversation this week myself. I've just learned that a friend of mine from back when I was an engineer has a terminal illness, and it's not clear if I'm going to be able to get up to see her again before she dies. Although I've walked with many hospital patients, some family members, and some Paulists at the end of their lives, this conversation for me is a first. 
journeying with someone from a distance, not able to stop by one last time. I've been praying. What will I say? What gift can I offer her in this hour of need? When we speak of the Last Supper, we usually talk about what Jesus does. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he institutes the Eucharist. In John, he washes the feet of the disciples. Or when we talk about the Last Supper, we talk about what Jesus says. But perhaps we're missing the main point of the Last Supper. Whatever happened at the Last Supper, the earliest Christians celebrated their faith by gathering to somehow have a meal that was based on that Last Supper. Why was that the event that brought them back together again and again? Well, perhaps John gives us the answer through one of his great tools that he uses. Remember, he writes like Picasso paints, called dramatic irony. In the account of the Last Supper, several of the apostles ask questions or make comments, and it's pretty clear they don't understand what's going on. And it gives Jesus a chance to respond to them. Jesus said that they had to have their feet washed in order to have a share with him. Peter said, oh, well then please, wash my hands and my head too, presuming that he would have a greater share then. Jesus tells them that he is going to prepare a dwelling place for them. Thomas says, well, where is it and how do we get there? Jesus says that they have already seen the Father. And Philip says, well, then show us the Father. The Last Supper isn't primarily about what Jesus said. As Peter, Thomas, and Philip show, it's not about what Jesus did, where he went, or what he showed them. It's about relationships. Jesus reveals to his disciples and to us that we have an intimate relationship with God. Washing one another's feet is not about getting them clean. It's about building intimate relationships with one another. Jesus' preparing a dwelling place is not about Jesus securing good spots for us in heaven. It's about Jesus bringing us to a more intimate relationship with the Father. And as I've prayed with this passage over the past few days, I've discovered it also reveals what I need to do when I talk with my friend. It's not about what I say. It's not about what I offer to do. It's about our relationship. As long as I focus on that, it doesn't matter where the conversation leads us. If it's reminiscing about the past experience we've shared, discussing her current medical treatments, or speculating about what the future holds. Why does John give Jesus this jumble of verb tenses? Because it is what the Greeks would call kairos time, not chronos, but kairos time, a time set apart, a time when the past and the future merge with the present. I didn't think about this until right now, like at a baptism. <laughs> When we gather for Eucharist, we enter Kairos. Our Eucharist deepens our relationship with all those gathered here, with all those who have come before us and all who are yet to come. Our Eucharist deepens our relationship with Jesus Christ yesterday, today, and forever. And through our deepening of our relationship with Jesus Christ, 
we come to better know the Father.